It's the Braincast, Braincast, the PopBrain.com Braincast, Braincast, listen to the show Because you're in for the PopBrain.com Braincast, Braincast, oh This is Marissa Carpico, the film editor at thepopbrite.com. I'm here with uh, Matt Taylor, our TV editor, to talk Oscars um, and awards. Say hello, Matt. Hey, guys. Yeah. Um, it's been about a week and a half since we recorded, I guess, um, and shit really hit the fan. Um, <laughs> there's just no other way to put it. <laughs> things got weird. Things got so weird. Um, they We're going to talk about... Um, who the hell is going to host the Oscars, um, the Golden Globe nominations, the SAG nominations, which came out the day that we are recording this. Um, it's, it's been, it's been real. Um, but let's start with the Kevin Hart situation. Um, last week, Kevin Hart was announced as the, uh, host of the Oscars. Um, and it was immediately met with disappointment and also anger from, uh, basically every Oscar fan, um, for a number of reasons. Matt, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, um, I have a lot of thoughts on the Kevin Hart thing, so I might end up kind of going tangent to your monologue, so just cut me off if I end up, like, going too far. Well, if you hit a half hour, I'll stop you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, for those who aren't on Twitter and missed that, the crazy 24 hours that, like, happened when he was announced the host, um, he... People found these tweets from, like, the early 2000s. 2011, I think, or 2011, I think. Yeah, like, it was it was very early in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, these tweets that were very homophobic, ranging from, like, somewhere he just used the F slur for gay people, mm. and then um, other ones where he would talk about how, like, if his son did any sort of, quote-unquote, gay behavior he would hit him or some sort of like violent attitude towards gay tendencies yeah. or whatever however you want to word it um and it caused this whole shit storm of controversy the academy basically gave him the ultimatum of if he wanted to um apologize or um like to keep the gig or just step down and he refused to apologize in this very bizarre Instagram post that like about how much he loves himself and how he's growing as a person or whatever <laughs> and then eventually he did step down and then he apologized yeah and um I have a lot of like like to be honest it was there are a lot of jokey tweets making fun of Kevin Hart in the moment and usually I like to make jokes about that stuff too but like it really just kind of hurt me for various reasons and I want to make it clear before I go into it um none of the hurt was about what he said mm-hmm. i think it's like as a queer person um i want to stress that like the jokes he was making were things that i've heard my entire life like in like high school classrooms yeah and it, to think that on some level he thought that was funny because from what i understand they were part of his stand-up set also yeah um early in his career like the fact that he thought those things were funny and he became like this one of the highest paid if not the highest paid stand-up comedian working today he is um, yeah no he is 
Yeah, is insane to me because it's the sort of thing. It's like it's shock humor, but like bad shock humor that kids in my high school classes were doing. And so none of it was homophobic. It was all homophobic. None of it was offensive on the level where I was. I felt like hurt or like like less legitimate or whatever. It was more of just like he was making stupid comments. Mm -hmm. And on on that, I also just want to make it clear that. if you asked any gay person um, who has a remote interest in the entertainment industry, they knew about those tweets well before last week. Yeah. It's very funny to me that the narrative became that these tweets resurfaced. Mm-hmm. Gay people have been talking about these tweets for years. Well, there's that great um, interview where Louis Vertel, who is, you know, the Oscar savant of, of Twitter, um, interviews him and Will Ferrell. Uh, for that Get Hard um, movie that they did a couple years ago and basically immediately calls the homophobia underlying that film's premise out and Hart misses it. And you can see Will Ferrell being like, oh, fuck, on his face. No, yeah, it was like that movie and many of his films actually were just like gay panic films. I forgot the name of it. He did one with Josh Gad where like, it was like Josh Gad was getting married and like Kevin Hart was some oh, sort yeah. of like wingman for him. Yeah, and it's, it's like the, it's not the best man, but it's something like that. Yeah, and um, he, like that whole trailer, like the big laugh was this gay panic joke of like them having to dance together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this? Like, this is a movie coming out. I was in college, so mm-hmm. like a movie coming out within the past five years where like the main joke is that two men have to dance together. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just, it, it, it's this gay panic humor that he became famous for he also famously turned down the part of um al pacino in tropic thunder which is a whole mess of a movie that we don't we don't have to get into but like he didn't want to play a gay character in that where yeah. the character is like gay in name only and i think at most holds hands with lance bass yeah like it's like it, he it's this incredible gay panic that everyone really ignored either willfully or just like completely missed it because they weren't paying attention and um it's just funny to me and infuriating when i say funny like it's it's infuriating that like gay people have been warning people about this for years and it was just ignored so it's funny to me that the narrative has become like these tweets resurfaced it's like no they were always there people just didn't care yeah i think people were more willing to ignore those types of things before but which is not a good thing um you know we're we're still i mean you and i grew up in a time when the the this that the f slur was literally just like used all the time in in like by like young kids i mean mid 90s is a that move that shit movie is a testament to that and it's it's certainly not a a, like a i'm not excusing anything but like people just we were more permissive like even 15 years ago than we would ever be now um, but it's em- super bad. Yeah. Um, oh, super bad too. But it's embarrassing. But it's embarrassing. That. Yeah. But it's embarrassing that the Oscars, which has already been the center of such controversy, um, and whose audience is oftentimes, you know, uh, uh, like predominantly made up of like women and gay, you know, gay men, it would would betray that audience so completely. In a time right. when everything is so heightened and aware, it it's just so it's un it's unbelievable. Like 
exactly. It's unbelievable. And, and just like like you said, I mean the like the, the audience for the Oscars is primarily gay men and women, mm-hmm. and um, like it's literally called the Gay Super Bowl. And you yeah. know it's funny to me because even before I figured out my own sexuality and like the Oscars always meant something to me and in many ways I realize now looking back at how those early Oscar experiences were really important to me as like early queer experiences yeah. like there's something just like the entire like affair of the Oscars is this very queer like environment between the red carpet and like all the talk about fashion like the melodrama mm-hmm. and then um even more just the way it celebrates art and yeah. like performances and just everything that like stereotypically gay men love like in one like sports-like environment it was very important to me yeah. as I'm sure it's important to many young queer people yes and i mean not that i'm shocked that like a capitalist company is like cares more about their bottom line than like the audience but like it's just a reminder that they don't care about their audience they don't care about lgbt people over at abc it was like those tweets were not a secret they willingly hired him to host and he was homophobic right and they did it in a in a in a what is an obvious attempt to attract viewers again he is the highest you know or the most popular comedian in the country they did it to appeal to an audience that does already doesn't watch the show mm-hmm. like what why it's 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 a betrayal of yeah. the main audience to be honest and it is. It, no, it is. Because it's it's this sort of thing of like, well, you guys will watch anyway, so we can do whatever we want. Right. And then the one other thing that I that really has bothered me for the past week with his response mm. is that after he stepped down, he issued that apology. Yep. Not even 12 hours after saying he wouldn't apologize. Yeah. Um, and um, I have seen so many people, including queer people, including Glad, mm-hmm. um, that like saying like, oh, like, he seems so sincere. Um, this is a really good teaching moment. Like, Glad even called for him to still host, which is insane to that me. Is insane. And I'm just like, you know, it wasn't even 12 hours. I'm like, you yeah. know, there's all this conversation about when can canceled celebrities come back. And I'm like, I don't know, more than a day after, like, they have a scandal? It's like, why can't we have genuine conversations about celebrities? Um, who do problematic things, especially when, like, that was part of his stand-up. That wasn't just something he tweeted. Like, he no. genuinely used to do stand-up about, like, hitting his son or breaking his son's stuff mm-hmm. if he perceived his son was being gay at, like, at, like four years old. Yeah. It's, like, this was not something that was, like, a hidden facet of his life. Right. You, you and, mentioned there's all this history in his in the work that he's chosen and the work that he's done that suggests something very troubling. Right, and it just, it's just very – it's really infuriating to me the way we're going to be so quick to, like, forgive him and change it into some sort of story about learning a lesson because I don't think he learned a lesson. And it's especially infuriating to see um, many straight people, including people that I really respect and I like and I'm friends with, on Twitter either tweeting about or liking tweets suggesting that, like, his apology was genuine and that, like, he's a lesson because it's not their call to make. This is the sort of thing, yeah. like – let gay people, A, call it homophobia, listen to them when they call it homophobia, and then be the final voice in when someone has a tone for homophobia because it's just, it's infuriating. Yeah, the thing is that for me, uh, the, the thing that I also, like, I don't, I don't give a shit if his, if his 
uh, apology is sincere, he shouldn't have been chosen to host. It's, right. It is not the right person. It just isn't. It's it, it's someone who doesn't appeal to the audience that of the Oscars. And yeah, I get that they want to go wider. But listen, choose it's choose a fucking woman. Or like a, another, I don't know. You can choose another, a woman of color even. You know, it's, there are so many options. There like, are like, so many options. It's not like Kevin Hart is the only person in Hollywood. Like, there's just so many options. I don't see why that decision was made in this climate, in an industry that desperately needs to revamp its image and show that it's listening. And in, I just don't understand how, like, how dumb is the PR firm or whoever makes that decision for. The Oscars. Nobody at that fucking PR firm was like, hey, this is going to get bad. Like, who didn't do their research? I don't understand it. It's just such, like, an amateur mistake. I, I don't understand why he was ever in the running unless it really is all those rumors about nobody wanting to do it are true. Right, which I do sort of believe because it is very, very strange that um, it's taking so long, it, it took so long for them to announce the house, and it's like taking them so long to make an announcement what they're going to do. Yeah, and that he's gone. I just think it's like, you know, yeah, it must be bad out there. But like, there has to be someone out there who yeah. is. There's too many people in the industry for there to be like no one who could host. I mean, the Golden Globes the same day, which was so messy and really the funniest thing I'd ever seen that the Kevin Hart announcement was made. Like, two hours later, they were like, Sandra Oh and Andy Sabmerg are going to ho- co-host the Golden Globes. Yeah, which is a wonderful idea. It's brilliant. And there it is. It's so simple. It's like all this hand-wringing that the Oscars are clearly doing, and the, the like, it's ugly stepsister, it literally just comes in and is like, oh, look, it's real fucking easy. And then the SAGs announced today, very quietly, really enough, that Megan, um, I always butcher her last name. Megan Mullally from yeah, Megan Mullally. Yeah, is going to um, host, and I'm like, there you go, another woman. Yeah, it's like a very funny, talented comedian. I'm like, right. what does it take? <laughs> I just like, are the Oscars not aware that like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler existed for mo- years as good hosts? Like, yeah, they've done you know Amy or not not Amy. Tina's done some dumb things in the last two years or so, but. She is far and away a better choice than Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. Honestly, or even Billy Eichner, who led a Billy lot of fucking Eichner um, about Kevin Hart. Or if you want, like a queer person of color, which I totally think would be amazing, like Wanda Sykes, who I don't think has ever hosted anything and that... is a, a workhorse person in the industry, and always funny and always smart, and has a very broad appeal, and has been working for so long. Yeah, and she's she's hysterical. Or even if you like, I t- I texted this to you in the midst of the Kevin Hart thing. Like, get fucking RuPaul. I know it's not, not yeah. a conventional choice, but RuPaul had that really great bit with Stephen Colbert at the Emmys a few years ago. Oh, that was so fun! I watched that over and over again. Like, it's now. great. And Drag Race has never been bigger, right. so it's like you know, capitalize on that and then avoid a PR crisis. I don't know. It's so insane to me that like between this and the whole popular film catastrophe like the academy awards is trying so hard to i don't know be more mainstream and it just failing at every turn and i'm like then stop doing it yeah like 
Stop doing it. Just do what you do. Hire a fucking lady. So easy. Like, you. I can't imagine that there aren't hundreds of actresses who couldn't told told them this. Any actress. Literally any re- actress. In the Hollywood Reporter article, there were some, like, little tidbits of, like, vaguely gossipy things, like how Tiffany Haddish was considered, but she butchers a lot of last names while pronouncing things, so they decided not to. And Who I'm gives like, a fuck? She's compelling. Like, it's like, just have her on. I would love to watch her mispronounce people's names for two and a half hours. Yeah, I want to hear her say Timothy Chalamet all fucked up. Now, we, I don't, I'm probably not even pronouncing it. It is Timothy. <laughs> it's very weird. I don't, like, his parents just were asking for him to be, him to be made fun of. But <laughs> whatever. Um, it's... I don't know, like, there are so many options. It's so silly that this had to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm happy it blew up in their face because, yeah. I don't know, it's insane. It's been fun to watch, I will say that. Um, it has, and, it really, and I'm, I just hope they learn their lesson. They don't pursue these weird changes. Yeah. I don't know, it's so silly. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't, like, I, I, I don't understand why they just haven't hired Louis Vuitton at this point to tell them what's what to do. Please, you should just... I would hire him to tell me what to do with my life. He's, like, he's been vying for the, the I want to fix the Oscars job really uh, quietly for years now. They should just give it to him. Um, but I think that's kind of everything we want to talk about with the Oscars so far, um, just yeah. for now. Um, unless you have any final let's point. Let's lighten up. Let's move on to fun things. Yeah. Um, I mentioned the Globes earlier, um, announcing their, um, their hosts. And... Their nominees came out, and I have to say, we'll get to the SAGs in a minute, but they, the, the, um, the Globe nominations look relatively sane compared to, at least for movies, um, compared to the SAGs. <laughs> I do, it's insane. Yeah. It, I, I am, I, I'm shocked, yeah. to be honest. The SAGs are an unholy nightmare. I've, I, 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 I will talk about them in a minute. But, um, you and I both wrote, um, articles separately about... The movies and TV, and we're only going to talk about movies because this is our Oscar podcast. Um, I wrote that, that, um, and uh, there are some good things and there are some bad things. Uh, I think the best picture races um, are probably the strangest, but also the best. I don't know. <laughs> how, how did you feel about it? Um, so... Like um, I mentioned in the podcast before, and I mentioned it in my write-up of the TV nominations, mm-hmm. I usually hate the Globes. It's mm-hmm. the sort of thing – it's not so much about, like, the show itself. It's more of just, like, as this person who's, like, very, like, sports-like with the Oscar race, I can't stand the way that the voting body has no overlap between Golden Globes and the Oscars. So it just bothers me that it's, like, this lack of true um, premonition yeah. for what's going to happen. But – I I found the conversation with the Golden Globes kind of fascinating, and in hindsight, after the SAGs, even more so, because the main conversation was about A Star is Born and Bohemian Rhapsody competing in drama, and, like, a lot of people were very, very upset, thinking it should have gone to musical comedy, Mm -hmm. but I weirdly get it, (laughs) like, um, especially with Bohemian Rhapsody, like, I don't consider either of those musicals, really. (laughs) Like... Bohemian Rhapsody, to me, is this movie of, like... I mean, it shouldn't be nominated for Best Film in any category. Yeah. But, um, to me, that's really a movie where you have um, musical performances in the context of a concert, but it's very much a drama. Like, right. I, it, it's not really a musical in any any way, shape, or form. Like, no. 
you know, the last 20 minutes or whatever, sure. But the rest of it is basically just a drama with music in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but my other main takeaway is that, you know, the comedy nominations are really inspired and interesting. Yeah. And, um, well, except for, except for um, Green Book, yes. Right, yeah. Green Book, it, which is also is a, one of those borderline choices where, you know, if, like, bad Italian accents is your idea of comedy, like, have a blast. Yeah. <laughs> I don't quite see what's very funny about Green Book. Yeah. But um, in the acting races more than anything, like, it's very cool to see Charlize Theron get a nomination, Constance Wu. Um, yeah. But then, well, before we move on to that, I, I'm going to focus on the, the film stuff, or the, the just the, the best picture stuff really quick. Um, for people who don't, well, who aren't looking at something right now, it's Crazy Rich Asians, The Favorite, Green Book, uh, Mary Poppins Returns, Vice, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, If Beale Street Could Talk, and A Star is Born. Those are all, all ten. Um, and those could, is it ten? Yeah. Could conceivably become the ten that get nominated for the Oscars, but that's very unlikely and has never happened. Um... But yeah, I don't know. I think Bohemian Rhapsody is upsetting in the drama category. But there are good things. I mean, I- I'm still surprised Black Klansman had the legs to last this long. And and based on the sags, it probably will keep lasting this long. Um, but yeah. Black Panther and Beale Street are are also great. You know? Yeah, I agree. It's, um, it's very nice to see the Black Panther buzz continue to be made more legitimate. Because... Yeah. Um, I get. I really do think the comic book movie hurdle is a big thing to jump yeah. on paper, but you know people are buying it, and I think there's a genuine passion for that movie in the industry because if the Golden Globes aren't like don't have a voting body overlap, it does at least show something of like where the buzz is, right? So, like how popular that is even now. Yeah. You know, basically almost a year later, um, and then yeah, you're you're right. The musical comedy category is just thrilling except for green book and possibly vice which i, I said this in in the art the reaction article i can't really dismiss vice without seeing it but i am not a big fan of the big short um and i am not confident that this will be any good based on the trailers i've seen um buzz is like pretty weak for it also yeah yeah i mean it's like i am a fan of the big short but i'm very very cautious going into vice mainly because um Every critic I trust basically has dismissed it, or like vaguely dismissed it through tweets. Like if you, I get yeah, that. because the 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 embargo's still up, right? But you can kind of deduce it's like, oh, it's probably bad. Yeah, uh, uh, Richard Lawson's tweet was great, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the other ones are great. Crazy Rich Asians. I'm so thrilled that 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 was not only a, like a commercial hit, but it clearly has some some legs awards wise because it totally deserves it. It is a classical Hollywood film. In the best way, uh, I, I love I love that film, and I know you do too. It's it's, it's perfect, yeah. And the favorite is wonderful to see. I, I actually, I mean, nobody's I haven't seen Mary Poppins Returns, but I'm seeing it on Monday, and I'm very excited for it because I just it is nice to see Emily Blunt getting some some attention. Yeah, we'll we'll have to talk about her when we get to the sags, but yeah, we will certainly general, be talking. It's about very her. nice that she's um, getting a lot of attention. Yeah, what did you think of? Uh, you were you were going to talk about the the actor categories. Um, it's basically yeah. what you'd expect. Uh, it, although I was surprised by Nicole Kidman for the Destroyer, I have to say. Yeah, that movie. We'll have to talk about Annapurna when we get to um, sags as well. Mm-hmm. But like, 
they just don't know how. Like they're there for those who don't follow the industry. Anna Perna is having some severe money issues, and it looks like, like they've sold off a lot of the 2019 films. That's an um, an independent uh, studio for people who don't know what that is necessarily. Yeah, and um, they've sold off a lot of the 2019 films to other studios, and there's all these rumors that like it's hard for them to be able to do an Oscar campaign that because um, those cost a lot of money. Yeah, and they're like kind of placing all their bets on Vice because of the, um, excuse me, star power behind it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think Destroyer really gets noticed based on just Nicole Kidman's power as, like, a name right now. Like, she's never had a... She's never been, I think, so... Um, has such like a career high, I think, as what she has right now, or more respectability yeah. in, the, um, in the industry, which is amazing, because good for her. Yeah. But... Yeah. And Destroyer, I don't know. I, I'm kind of excited for Destroyer. I know it's got a mixed reviews, but I, there's something about it that just seems very much like a, this movie's for me. Yeah, I'll take an interesting failure over, any day over a, you know, a decent piece of nothing. Um, right. But yeah, that's... that's And also, also, it's nice to see Rosamund Pike for A Private War. I didn't see that, but I've only heard good things about that performance. So it's nice that, like... The thing I like about the Globes is that it gives a venue for things that would just be ignored by the Oscars to get a little attention, and and that's going to be her nice little like shout out for the year. Uh, and ditto Charlize Theron, who who definitely gave one of the best performances of the year, but is no one is talking about for award stuff. Um, yeah, uh, agreed, agreed. Um, but it is also, yeah. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. I was also happy to see Lucas Hedges get nominated for Boy Erased because oh, yeah. um, that movie kind of never built up an Oscar buzz, to be honest. And I do, I mean, my issues were documented on our podcast. But mm-hmm. um, he is really good in it. And, you know, that, that movie it might not be the most genuine queer story since it's told by a straight guy, but Lucas Hedges is queer. And I think he brings a lot to, of that sensibility to his performance. It felt very real and very genuine. And um, I don't know if he'll have a chance at the Oscars, but, like, yeah. it's good that he'll get some notice somewhere here. Yeah. I, I, it is not. I, I I keep thinking uh, we, we're probably going to talk about this at the end of the pod, podcast, but it's a shame that he's getting nominated for that and not Ben is back. Although I do think maybe this is probably a more like um, showy performance, so that's that's probably why. Um, but if he does win, I'm going to sort of think of it, and I'm sure many voters would probably think of it as like a. a a vote of confidence for what a year he's had. I mean, he he gave three very good performances this year, in three very different films. You know, and it was on Broadway. Yeah, right, exactly. So, and that's someone who it would be great to see get a vote of confidence from the industry in a small way. Um, and of that group, he's my favorite, I would say. Um, but yeah, I don't know who's gonna win. It, it's it's they split drama and comedy for the acting. Um, categories here too so again it's there's 10 here but there will only be five at the oscars so who knows i i don't think defoe will make it to the oscars even though that's a decent performance um but i i don't know i, I think we still have to be worried about like rami malik in bohemian rhapsody as as a possible winner you know yeah that would be really infuriating because looking at the nom- nominees again um cooper is my favorite of the bunch and i think he's actually really phenomenal in a star is born mm-hmm. um and, you know, it's like, if they give it to Malik for, like, imitating Freddie Mercury for two and a half hours, it's kind of just really 
insulting. Its abilities are really good performance. I will say that. Like it's a it's compelling. It's one of the more compelling performances of the year of that group. Like, I and I I wouldn't be surprised if all four of those everyone but Defoe makes it into the category for for the Oscars. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I agree. Um, I do think that lineup is pretty indicative of what it will look like with Christian Bale probably yeah. switching over instead of when, when they combine genres um, with Christian Bale switching over and get taken to fifth slot. Right. He got nom- he got nominated for um, for Vice for by the Globes, right? Yeah, but in comedy. Yeah, comedy, and then Lin Manuel Miranda got nominated there for Mary Poppins, which is. I guess <laughs> I, I I haven't seen it, but wow, that like, and like John C. Riley for Stan and Ollie for him, which is a film I've literally never heard of. I saw the trailer um, for both movies that we are going to review later, um, which I saw as a double feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw the trailer before both of them, mm-hmm. and it looks very pleasant. But I have like like such little interest in actually watching it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, one of the other things I want I want to talk about uh, globes wise, and there's not a ton left, um, is the it's insane to me that Timothy Chalamet is nominated for playing like a plot device in um, Beautiful Boy, um, a film you and I are both not very very hot on. Um, yeah, I didn't get to talk about it when um, we. Because I hadn't seen it when you reviewed it for the podcast, right. but it's awful. It's bad. <laughs> it's I t- one of the few movies I thought about actually walking out of. I, I know. I mean, I was in a fucking press screening, and I was like, oh my god, how am I even going to write about this? And it's funny because, um, like, I was so hot on Timothy Chalamet last year, and I, I mean, he, he's, this is not a diss towards him as a performer. No, no, no. Like, no. He, like he's a very talented actor. But he and Steve Carell are truly terrible in that movie. Yeah. It, like, it, that director must be really bad with actors because basically no one gives a great performance in it. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, it, it's gonna, it, it certainly has hurt Timmy's, um, like, upward rise in a way that, like, if he, he ends up not having the career we all thought he would after... After, you know, his breakout role, it's going to be because of that movie. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. He, he has so many big films lined up with, like, major directors. Yeah. I think this will probably be a very small blip. I hope so. Career. But it is just so interesting to me that both he and Carell are so bad in this. And this is the year that we're, like... Corell gave three really baby performances between this Vice and um that god awful looking Marwin movie. Yeah. And like it's like dude like how about give one good performance? Yeah. And then maybe we can talk about Oscar chances because Well that's I mean, the problem is he is trying so hard that he is becoming a parody of an actor in all of these performances and it's just like the more he tries the farther he gets away from that. Do, do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Oh absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. Chalamet in The Beautiful Boy is, it's a bad performance, but you can see what he's trying to do. Right, because he's Um, not, there's nothing for him to work with is the problem. Right. And then Carell just kind of yells every line, and then the lines that she doesn't yell, he whispers. (laughs) And it's so 
It's so awful to watch. Yeah, it's this affected um, attempt at being low key and normal. That that's it's re- it's just so obnoxious. Um, but yeah, there are some good things. I'm I'm happy to see that. Um, First Reformed is not anywhere near the screenplay category. That that gave me a special special feeling down in my loins. Um, <laughs> just to not see that, you know, I just I just didn't want to see it. Um, and I'm glad it didn't happen. But Roma is in there, um, which is great. And Beale, Beale Street Could Talk is in there, which I think is actually a really good idea. Um, and I, but I'm you know obviously I'm gonna I'm pulling for the favorite here. Um, but it is surprising that like I I don't know if we'll see how this all works out. But Roma being in foreign film here, I think is indicative of how they're pushing it. Uh, and, and like not being anywhere near the drama category is, I think that's really, I really do think that's going to be the way it shakes out for the Oscars, honestly. Well, actually what I, what I just learned from, um, the Hollywood Reporter mm. with the winner is that in the Golden Globes, you can't have your film submitted in foreign and in best picture drama. Yeah. Which is bizarre. And yeah. I mean, they're, it's literally voted by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Yeah. So like a very odd rule. Yeah. But, um. You know, so I think that killed his chances uh, of being in the best picture drama. But I do agree. I think yeah. the uh, when all is said and done and everything shakes out, I could see Roma really being a foreign frontrunner. Yeah, not a major best picture. Player. Yeah, it's definitely a rules thing here. But I think if people are going to start thinking of that of it that way now, I don't. It's going to be hard for it to come out of that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's there's not been many sort of crossover films like that. I mean. You know, there was The Artist a couple years ago, and then um, It's a Beautiful Life, you know? But mostly it's it does tend to be American films, yeah. for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that's most of the stuff I want to talk about. Uh, I think we'll talk about, like, things about score and best original song when the Oscars come out. <laughs> Just because, mm. you know, I, I will say, if, if this is the song category for for uh the oscars i, I can't fucking wait I, like it's gonna yeah, be it's a good this is a good year for original song it's usually my least favorite category right but like like so many artists i like are going to perform at the oscars this it means and i'm yeah. like oh cool like because if i get to see perform awesome yeah if it stays the same it's gonna be kendrick lamar and um scissor right if from yeah, I'm obsessed with. yeah for for black panther all the stars it'll be fucking dolly parton Annie Lennox, uh, Lady Gaga, and Troy Sivan. Can you imagine? Amazing. Oh. It's like, <laughs> that's them apologizing to the gay community yeah. for the Kevin Hart thing. Sign me up. I would. I can't wait for those performances. Like, cut out some of the acting categories. I'll, I'll watch that. <laughs> I don't care. I actually just watched that movie, Dumplin', that Dolly Parton did the music for, and yeah. it's adorable, and those songs are good, and I'm like... Pay attention, Academy. Yeah, and it's it's insane that she doesn't have one because she's written so many good songs. I, like, she she is the writer of "I Will Always Love You." Someone she should be respected for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but I think that's kind of it for the Globes, unless you have any other last things, and then we're gonna move on to the uh, move on to the SAGs. My one comment, which you actually mentioned in your mm. article, which I think is so true, is that. A Quiet Place got an original score nomination, and I genuinely cannot remember a single note of that movie. Exactly. And I, I'm going to write an article about scores from the year, and I could not tell you a single music cue in that film. Couldn't tell you. 
even actually looking at the whole category, which is A Quiet Place, oh. Isle of Dogs, Black Panther, First Man, and Mary Poppins, I haven't seen Mary Poppins yet, but the only score I can remember is First Man, and I love Black Panther, but I cannot think of the score off the top of my head. Absol- I think yeah. of the soundtrack. Absolutely the same. So I said it in, the, in that article, that category, uh, uh, you know, uh, barring Mary Poppins being a masterpiece, is utter trash, and I won't acknowledge it. Um... <laughs> it's it's utter trash um but the big thing i think the we can transition to the sags with is that regina king was the front runner before the sags for um supporting actress she was nominated at the globes she was nominated in all the the previous smaller awards things it seemed like a lock you and i had talked about many times about how she was beloved in the industry there was no way she was going to lose this and then the SAG awards come out, or nominations come out, and she is not nominated. And that's a big deal for many reasons. Um, uh, your pr- people listening to this are probably Oscar fans, but if they're not, the reason that is very alarming <laughs> is that the um, actors branch is the biggest part of the Academy, right? Um, and the SAG and the uh, the acting branch of the Academy is is pretty close. It's it's the same group of people basically. So. Typically, you can basically guess how the the acting categories are going to go based on the SAGs. They're the best indicator. Um, it really, of most awards, even. Um, so the fact that she's not nominated here is very concerning because it very, very likely means that she will not be nominated for an Oscar. Um, and people were obviously rightfully upset about that. Also, additionally, the lack of other female... Um, or actresses getting nominated who were of color. It's 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 sag so white this year and it's very concerning. Um, you, I, I'm sure you were aware of all the, or you were watching all that unfold and, and as floored as I was to see that she wasn't on there. Well, it's funny because I was watching the nominations this morning mm. and um, when they went through supporting actress, like, it went so quickly and I was thinking, I'm like, they left someone up, but I forgot who. <laughs> and, like, it was bothering me the whole thing. I'm like, who missed it? And for some reason, I was like, it was Claire Foy. That's who they forgot. And then, like, I like after it ended, I was like, oh, wait, no, it was Regina King. And it just didn't even register in my brain right. that like, they could have snubbed her. Right, because it was such a foregone conclusion that it just, like, you wouldn't even think it was possible. It, it, it was right. so shocking. Um, and I, I haven't seen, we're going to talk about the film in a second, but... It's it's crazy to me that this, like, Regina King probably is, of the stuff I've seen, I haven't seen all of the things that are nominated in that category. Um, like Vice, for instance. Um, Amy Adams is nominated for that. But it's crazy that somehow this award season found a way for, to, for awards fans to conceivably root against Emily Blunt or Amy Adams, who are the darlings of the awards circuit. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's as a lifelong Amy Adams stan, yeah. lifelong, like, right. the past 10 years. <laughs> the last 10 years, yeah. <laughs> like, as a huge Amy Adams stan, um, I, I low-key kind of hope she doesn't win for Vice, purely no. because in my fantasies, she always won her Oscars for, like, this undeniable film she was, like, we were talking about all year, mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, the, my main thing is the nomination that blows my mind, and I think 
we will not see an Oscar night mm-hmm. or Oscar um, nomination morning, more likely. Um, I, I cannot imagine Emily Blunt being nominated for A Quiet Place and Supporting, yeah. which I think is an insane nomination. And I love Emily Blunt. Yeah. I have been saying, like, it, the, her snub for Devil Wears Prada is insane. Her like She's just consistently given so many good, diverse performances. She can do any genre. Mm-hmm. And what about her performance in A Quiet Place got that well, level? Well, I don't know. I'm going to fully disagree with you on that. I, I think she's the best thing in that movie. Um, Interesting. And you... I like Alison Simmons a lot more. Yeah, but. they're both very good. But of the two characters, the person... The two that you're—they're the two characters that you characters that you're supposed to put the most emotional weight with, mm. um, and like the reason that nail thing is so effective—that's you know that Chekhov's yeah. gun of the nail it is so effective—is because she very uh, on some level she's working off of the collective affection people already have for Emily Blunt, um, but she also makes you easily like that character very quickly in a way that like Krasinski doesn't quite do in that film. You know what I'm saying? Um, yes. Also, the birthing thing, all of that silence and still having to convey um, that she is in pain, really good work. Really good work. It's good work. It's more of just that, like, it never even registered as some sort of, like, award performance. Yeah. And it... Well, I think, I mean, I think that maybe is a bit of genre bias, honestly. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that that was such a commercially viable thing. It didn't have this sort of prestige factor of, like, let's say, Hereditary. It was a commercial picture that was like a popcorn movie. But realistically, she has to do some of the hardest acting of the year because she's silent for most of it. Interesting. I never thought of it that way. I, I was... Not that it's a bad movie. I think it's a very good movie. Yeah. It just, I was, like, colder on A Quiet Place than most. I more just thought it was, like, a, like it didn't stick with me, but it's a good movie. No, I, 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 yeah. I forgot it basically two weeks after I saw it. But of of the things that I remember about it, it's the girl and, and Emily Blunt having to do pretty pretty difficult work, realistically. I, I would like to see it again. It's the sort of thing. Like, especially if it's going to get more Oscar buzz, like... I probably will watch it again just because I want to see, like, maybe something will click more for me on a second viewing with, like, different expectations. Um, but I do like it. One thing I find very interesting, which someone pointed out on Twitter, mm-hmm. is that this seems to be the year of just, like, trying to get John Krasinski and Emily Blunt at the um, SAGs together because he was also nominated for Jack Ryan in the TV categories. Oh, yeah. And as a quick aside from my TV editor hat, like, like, that makes no sense. No. <laughs> like, that show has no buzz for award stuff. And he, he got nominated. Yeah. And it's it's just, it's very funny. They've become like the it couple this year, which is nice because they seem like a nice couple. Yeah. But it's just sort of funny to me. Yeah. No, it, it definitely seems like, um, for him at least, um, it certainly seems like a, you know, we just really like this guy. Um, and he... <laughs> is super cool and married to like the coolest person. So like, let's just, let's just throw him something. Cause we, we want to give him some credit. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, um, I I do the, think the, the one I have a question about though, in that supporting actress category is, uh, cause I haven't seen it. Um, is, um, Margot Robbie. Cause the other ones seem fine to me. Like Amy Adams should just be nominated for everything, even if she doesn't win just so that she knows that we love her. Um, but, like, how is Margot Robbie in, in Queen of Scots? Like, is that a... How do you feel about that nomination? Um, it kind of ties into my actual review of the film, but oh. ma- mainly she is 
very good in it. It's a very um, traditional Oscar Beatty role. Like she only has she she has much less screen time than Saoirse Ronan, and um, every one of her scenes is sort of an Oscar clip moment. She has a lot of monologues, um, <laughs> a lot of like intense um, exchanges with other with like other characters. It's a good role. I think she's good. It's sort of funny with Margot Robbie last year. It was that people suddenly realized she was a good actor, even though she's amazing in Wolf of Wall Street. And um, she's so good in that. I remember seeing that movie and thinking that girl is going to be a fucking star. Who is that? She's amazing in that movie. Should have been nominated. People have a weird sexist bias against actresses that show nudity on, on film. I'm convinced. And yeah, just, it, but, it clearly also reminded half the those shithead men in Hollywood of, of the their wives who hate yeah. them. So I get it. <laughs> it's just like it's funny because it's not until I Tanya she gets the respect, and she's good in I Tanya. I would have nominated her as well, but it's just like it's funny to me that this seems to be more like leftover love from Marco Robbie because people suddenly discovered how good she is. Right. Because, you know, in 1995, this role would have won her an Oscar. But, um, you know, it's 2018. The Academy body has changed. The voting bodies have changed with these award shows. And we're getting more interesting things in the limelight. So, you know, if it comes down to Regina King versus Marco Robbie, it's like no contest to me. Yeah, totally. 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 Um, the... Other, I'm gonna talk. We'll we'll talk about the the sort of like big the ensemble category at the end. Um, but there are some good things here that I I think are like hopeful at least for what the Oscars will shake out to be. Like it's great to see Melissa McCarthy get nominated for lead because I was co- kind of worried she was gonna get shut out honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I definitely think she'll make it. I I will be shocked. I have to say if um if Blunt makes it all the way to the Oscars for lead in Poppins, like Mary Poppins Returns. Like, again, haven't seen it, but wow, that would be nuts. Do you know what I'm saying? I think that's more likely than A Quiet Place. Oh, it's certain. Yeah, no, no, I, I wouldn't agree, disagree with that. But yeah, I, I still I still think something else is going to come in and take that spot. You know what I mean? It depends on how pe- much people really respond to Mary Poppins. Mm. Like, if people, because I am going in, somewhat blind to Mary Poppins. I've never seen the original Mary Poppins. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm, I'm debating if I want to watch it before or kind of be like going blind. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. We can talk about my blindness with Mary Poppins when we, re- when we review that in like two weeks. Yeah. But, um, so you know, it depends on how passionately people respond to it. And I don't know. But I do think people like Emily Blunt. She's having kind of like a um, a huge year. So I could see it happening. Um, that category seems pretty um, stacked with talent, though. Best actress. Yeah. So, you know, that's I wouldn't thing. hate it if some other actresses got that spot. Right. No, that's very true. That's actually a really good point. Because, yeah, like, the rest of it is Coleman for favorite, which I I, I don't know. I, I hope she has a chance. I, I, I still think it'll probably be Lady Gaga for Star is Born, but I'd love to see Coleman win. She's so good in that movie. Um, yep. And and uh, and who else? Oh, um. I still can't believe Glenn Close made it all the way here. You know, good for her. It's just silly now. I gotta say, like <laughs> that, that movie. It's like I have nothing but respect for Glenn Close. Yeah, she's wonderful. Um, she absolutely deserves an Oscar. But I mean, I'm sorry. It's like no. that movie really. No. Like, it, yeah. It's just so, like as good as she is. It's such a silly movie. And as more actresses show up in these really complicated, interesting parts in really complicated, interesting films. 
I'm like, really? Like, you're going with that one? <laughs> like, it's yeah. like... It's just silly to me. I, 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 they must just be like, she's good in it, but yeah, I don't know. It's just such like, it feels like a, they want to give her a career thing because they're worried about how many things she's going to have left, realistically. I heard she's trying to get her Sunset Boulevard like musical done. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I'm like, just someone do that. Give her the Oscar for that, and we can all stop. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, and that movie's or that play's supposed to be really good. So yeah, I don't. They should just make that and just like, just do just do the thing for God's sake. Um, but yeah, um, I think it's. I think we're gonna have to come to terms with the fact that Viggo Mortensen is gonna get nominated for lead actor, and I just, I just hate that we live in that world. Honestly, it's so bad. I mean, it like he's so bad in that movie. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just can't. I, 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 in the review or in the, um, the, what's it called? The article about the Globes. I, I called him, I, I basically described that performance as like Viggo Mortensen as a, as a plate of spaghetti and meatballs, uh, in yeah. green, in green book, which is pretty much it. Um, but yeah, man, I can't believe he's going to get nominated for that, for that. It's such an embarrassment. Like I'd almost take. Corell over that fucking performance. It's like yeah, I would too. Because <laughs> at least Corell, you could see like the the gears working and him being like, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm playing it like playing a real person, and I'm like, yeah, Vigo Mortensen is doing like a bad imitation of an Italian guy. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like it's so so bad. It's really bad. Um, but yeah, a, a, a most alarming of all, though, I think might be the um, the. The ensemble uh, race, which is basically their their equivalent of Best Picture, um, so it's it, like it's great to see that Black Panther made it in there, and Crazy Rich Asians is in there, and I really hope that wins. But fucking Bohemian Rhapsody is in there, and I am uh, speechless. Yeah, that's nuts. And honestly, um, in terms of buzz, that's like a really big standpoint that it's probably getting a Best Picture nomination. Yes, which is insane because. <sighs> Like I know that's viewed as like their best picture equivalent. Yeah. But it really is. It's best ensemble. It is. And, yeah. You know, what did any other actor bring to that movie? <laughs> like it's like I, like Lucy Boynton. I like in that movie because I like Lucy Boynton. But like, there's nothing. She's she's playing such a cliche. I I don't know. Like his evil boyfriend. I don't know. I don't know. I I just don't know. It's like that entire movie is just Remy Malek and a bunch of like cute boys who like pretend to play instruments behind him. It is, <laughs> it is like it's insane to me. Like, yeah, I have come to terms that Remy Malek's performance is technically good, mm-hmm. and like he'll get nominated, and you know he's nice, so good for him. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's proficient if coming from a very flawed premise. Yeah, but you know, like. Best picture, best ensemble. It's so, it's so dumb. It's shocking. <laughs> like, who is like? Give me the names of the people in the SAG Academy, in the Screen Actors Guild, so I can go to their houses and ask them who they think they are. Because I just don't understand that. Like, mm-hmm. that that blew my fucking mind. Um, and on that note, that we have covered all of the sort of Oscar stuff. Um, there's a trio of movies we want to talk about before we wrap this up. Um, unfortunately, our, our, our next installment of actresses who need to be saved, uh, we'll have to wait till next time. Um, we have a lot of, 
a lot of actresses coming up that we're gonna save. Oh so. man, we're gonna <laughs> save some actresses' lives. Like they're just waiting for the call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first one, uh, we should probably talk about Mary Queen of Scots first because you um, you're gonna write a review of it. It's not on the site yet, but it should be by the time this is up, hopefully, depending on when this goes up. Um, and I didn't get time to see it this weekend, unfortunately, just because my my life is insane. Um, but I'm very excited for it because despite how ridiculous that initial trailer was, I've only heard good things. Yeah, it is a horribly marketed movie. <laughs> I was dreading to go see, and I only saw it because I am a completist with Oscar stuff sure. and um, was and needed to go. Mm-hmm. But um, I kind of loved it. <laughs> like, it is a popcorn movie through and through. Like, there's nothing really... I mean, it has some deeper stuff going on about um, feminism and like the bonds between women and how men um, manipulate them. Destroy those. Yeah. But it's like, it's all very, very basic um, themes behind it. But that's not a bad thing. It is just like, it's a really fun movie. It is this movie of like, that knows exactly what its audience wants. It is, I'm convinced, be like catering to gay men almost exclusively. Because <laughs> it has... So many like <laughs> insane costumes and like wigs and wig reveals. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, like every boy in it is like insanely attractive and um mm. like it's just like it, it's such a fun movie. I had so much fun watching it. Every monologue, every um intense exchange between the actors. It's it's a really interesting film and also one that's very progressive in ways both like quiet and as part of the film it was cast race blind and that's a very nice touch i think that i to mind like knowledge off the top of my head i i do not remember them ever doing with a period piece of this kind um there might be some that i'm just blanking out on but it was there was was one in the last couple years that really impressed me but i i i can't remember what it was but yeah no that's wonderful to hear like uh, it's especially for a genre that is often so stodgy yeah, no, it's like, it was very impressive. Gemma Chan from um, Crazy is in it. In a small part, but it's like she had some good scenes. It's nice to see her working more after, like, a really interesting debut in Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. My God, um, that, 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 I didn't realize she was in it. That's the most, possibly the most beautiful cast I've ever heard of. Can you imagine? I yeah, mean, no. Margot Robbie and, and Gemma Chan are two of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's outrageous. <laughs> no, yeah, they're gorgeous. And there's one whole subplot i guess of um like just speaking of gorgeous people where um margot robbie like presents joe alwyn as like an option for Sasha ronan to marry oh god bless and Sasha ronan's like eh. and she's like oh don't worry i have like the hotter version of joe alwyn alwyn here like for you to marry instead and it was the guy from dunkirk who's like a pilot in it or something like that oh. who's gorgeous and i was like this movie is amazing <laughs> like everyone is good looking and it's wonderful. It's also very queer, like textually, mm. as it felt not just in my projections. Um, no, <laughs> uh, I, you know but, you could kind of read that in the in the trailer. I will say. Yeah, there's um a whole character who I truly have no idea if they existed or not because mm. I don't know the history of the monarchs or anything. But um, like Sasha Ronan's character, Mary Queen of Scots, has like a gay best friend, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. and he has an interesting arc that is, you know, spoiler alert, like, times were rough 
for gay people back then. But, um, you know, it's still a pretty nice arc that you don't quite see in period pieces. So it was interesting. It was a, it was such a surprise. I don't I think there was a character like that in, C, in the CW's reign, but I, again, that, I don't think that tells me anything about historical accuracy. <laughs> I think I should watch that show. I'd probably like it. Listen, the fashion was gorgeous. It made no sense. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> now that I've admitted my darkest secret <laughs> of watching Rain. <laughs> um, uh, I met the, the one fan of Rain now. That's amazing. I, I actually stopped watching it way before another friend of mine, so realistically there's even an even bigger fan of rain out there <laughs> oh god um another movie that i also haven't seen that you wanted to talk about uh was capernaum which uh, was actually nominated for foreign um film in um for the globes i believe yeah and i believe it made the short list of foreign films that like could be nominated yes. for yeah. an academy award um I saw it at Toronto back in September, right. and it is a Sony Picture Classics film that I it got a lot of buzz very early in the year, and I think that buzz has sort of died down from just like how many foreign film breakups there were. But um, you know, it still stands a chance at being nominated, and I think it's really terrible. So oh. I, yeah, I wanted to like just quickly as like an anti plug of. You know, unless you're an Oscar completist, probably avoid it because it's this movie. Um, I believe it's from Lebanon. I can look that up as I'm talking. But um, like, it is this film about a young boy whose family um, has many, many children, and they they live in poverty. And the um, their their oldest daughter, who's like 13, is sold into. Um, Sold into a marriage with an oh. adult man, and it, like the younger boy, who's the main character, is really upset about that, and um, he ends up running away, and it just kind of exposes all these social issues going on, um, and it's just sadness porn. <laughs> like yeah. it's sort of thing. The thesis about like calling for social reform is introduced very early in the movie and then it is just two hours or so of increasingly more and more disturbing and sad things happening to young kids in like an unflinching way and i just sort of get to a you get to a point where you're like oh like say something new like if you're going to have a church on for so long Mm -hmm. and be so bleak you can't have it be such a simple message about like exposing social issues and everything like that. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's just my my takeaway. But, um, and I do think it's worth noting that I did see at a film festival mm-hmm. where you're being barraged with so many films where it's like the bad ones kind of stick out more. Right. So, you know, right. if you're watching it for whatever reason on like a nightly viewing with like going out with friends, if you want to have a sad Friday night, <laughs> um, you might enjoy it more, but huh. it's it's very bleak. Yeah, I saw the trailer for the first time today, actually, um, and it, boy, does it look like a slog um, emotionally. Not not like in a necessarily a bad way, right? But it it just looks like a lot of work that maybe I don't want to do, and 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 it's also like the messaging seems really um, ham-fisted in the trailer. Like they're just telling you what it's about, and the kid right. is like telling you what it's about, and I don't know. It seems really inelegantly. But I, I, I can't say for sure, obviously, because I haven't seen it. But, yeah, I, I fully trust you on that. And it sort of confirms 
anything I might have sort of picked up on in the trailer. Yeah, it is from Lebanon. I just, I just to confirm. So you know, it's if if you're a completist, watch it. It's just it's very bleak, and yeah. I think you're not missing much if you skip. There are so many good foreign films this year, where it's like, why waste your time on that one? Yeah, totally. Um, and the last one we want to talk about is Ben is back, which I reviewed for this site. It took me a minute. I saw it about uh two almost two weeks ago now. Um on a Friday at like 9.30 p.m. Um, and it was, I didn't, I, I didn't really know what to do with it at the time, and I didn't really have time to write a review for a bit, so it took me about a um, little over a week to finally write it. Um, and in that time, it, I, it, I went from being like, you could skip it, to being like, you know what, it's actually pretty good, because it, it stuck with me the whole, that whole time, not just because I knew I had to write about it, but because it's, it avoids the sort of like, com- like uh, smoothing over that beautiful boy does. Um, and I guess to give people an idea of what it's about, it's Lucas Hedges and um, Julia Roberts as a, a mother and son. He has just returned home from live-in rehab um, for the holidays to surprise his mother. And um, it quickly becomes clear that he probably shouldn't have left rehab and that this, his his home life is full of triggers. Um, and Julia Roberts is sort of like, tr- has been really traumatized by all of his, the fallout from his addiction. And it's a sort of slow descent into the heart of darkness of like how both of them sort of try to keep him from falling back into his addiction and how difficult that is. And it, it goes some really unexpected places. Like I said to you at one point, like, um, it's the kind of movie that when you see the trailer, you think it's going to end with some, like, um, uh, intense family argument around a dinner table, but it it does not go anywhere near that direction. It goes some places. Um, and you saw it recently, and, and you loved it. Yeah, I low-key think it's a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am so impressed by it. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. And I really do think the trailer is selling a movie to, that yeah. the film is for about 20 minutes. And then <laughs> that film ends, like the very traditional mm-hmm. m- like family chamber piece about drug addiction. Yeah. Um, and becomes something totally different, a really dark... I, I hate to sound like I'm using like review five-cent words, uh. but... Um, it's like an odyssey into the opioid addiction in yeah. America. Like it's it, with each new chapter, it becomes more and more twisted and um, sad, but fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing that I I think that initially alarmed me about it, or, or seemed like a irresponsible, maybe, um, but eventually became the thing that like I think is very clever about it, and also like really why it sticks with you so much is that like. I'm not going to spoil anything, but, like, the way that his attempts to um, keep from becoming addicted or, like, the things he would have to do to that he slowly reveals um, that he did to keep his addiction going eventually begin to mirror what Roberts's character does in order to try to keep her son clean. Like, yeah. the lengths that they both go to in different ways of, like, feeding what is essentially addictive behavior like and her addiction is her son and her her need to protect him which is like such a fascinating 
approach to take and it's written by uh lucas hedges's father peter hedges which is even more fascinating that he like (laughs) cast his son in this like crazy role um about like what possibly the toxicity of parenting or like you know (laughs) of of parenting gone wrong um but it recalled so many things to me like i say it and i think i said it in my review um the movie's filled with like these moments of um terms of endearment style like sort of like crazy mom but also like mom you can't you can't deny kind of thing with with um uh with roberts's character like there's like this constant like there's a scene that where i was just like this is totally her like give my daughter the shot moment you know oh yeah it is like the exact same yes basically (laughs) yeah it like blew my mind i was like man this is like this is full on like some terms of endearment shit. And I love that film. Um, And it's just like a really clever moment, but it, and it would be laughable, but it's like, she's just so good in it. Like I, it's really a shame that Robert Sinson getting any um, Oscar buzz for it because it's like one of the most interesting performances I've seen her from her and maybe since Brockovich. No, um, I think she's brilliant in it, like you said. Yeah. From like literally the first shot, especially when you view her performance in it's like complete context from beginning to end. Yes. Where yeah, I mean, to bring up a movie that we just shit on. Um <laughs> it's very similar in a weird way to what Glenn Close is doing in The Wife of like it is this tightly wound performance and it slowly and slowly just becomes more and more unhinged. Yeah. But like Julie Roberts is working with an actual like script, mm-hmm. so it's like she's unwinding in a much more interesting way and yeah. she's so good at playing manic yeah. and yeah. like crazed. And I actually want to say with just Julie Roberts in general, I really love that after her Oscar win, her like her star as America's movie star faded as it always does with yeah. some actresses, but she's consistently picked really unusual choices. And some of them were like gambles that didn't pay off. Yeah. But in general, she's just picked very like fascinating roles, like Closer yeah. and The Normal Heart, and um... oh right, Closer is after Brockovich. So yeah, and I love that film is one of my favorite films of all time. It's brilliant that movie, and oh. it's so twisted. And the fact that like someone who was America's movie star did that movie is fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it um, is. It is fascinating the way that she has taken that America's Sweetheart sort of like. Um, the, like persona and just like fucked with it in, in really clever ways like and and some of it some of it's been great like this has been great and and closer has been great and some of it's been a failure like uh, like august osage county i thought was trash but like you know she's always doing interesting work and i really appreciate that yeah she's so good like i i really love ben is back mm. i'm so impressed by it mm. um and she's just wonderful. Like, give Julia Roberts more movies. Like, I think she's very content with where she is in her career now. I don't think she's trying to yeah. um, have that, like, revival as America's Sweetheart at all. Yeah. But, like, you know, just give her more movies because she's so good. Yeah. Yeah, this, uh, it's just, this movie just, it felt like seeing something from her that I, like, a new thing from her that I hadn't seen before. Because she's done a lot. But, like, to see this particular sort of, because she hasn't really played, like, this kind of mother role before. In a, like yeah. in Brockovich, she's doing something similar where she's like she is she is a mother and she is also sort of like bringing that sort of like 
helicopter mom energy to solving this issue like you know tainted the tainted water supply but here she she takes that same sort of energy and turns it toxic and it's like so interesting it's just so interesting and like it's something that beautiful boy is sort of attempted to play with but did so in the most like after school lifetime special way possible of like yeah what what he thinks is what Carell's character thinks is like well-intentioned um attempts to like encourage their child are actually like really damaging for the kid uh, right as an and it also um beautiful boy and this is not a like like i don't i want to tread lightly with this because beautiful boy is based on a memoir so this is not like any yeah. sort of shade towards the memoir or anything like that but um Beautiful Boy is this very focused story on a father and son mm-hmm. relationship, and but it doesn't ever have any insights into addiction as a whole, and mm-hmm. it just sort of tells the story. And then Ben is back is re- really like giving you the full snapshot of the opi- opioid problem in America, mm-hmm. and not just tell it tells you the personal story for about twenty minutes, and yeah. then steps back and says like, "Here's the full snapshot," including like taking into account different levels of privilege with the with yeah. the story and like the white privilege inherent in Ben's narrative yeah, and yeah. um it's so like I've never seen that with an addiction movie in recent memory and I think that's really wonderful no it, it captures something more nuanced and more complex about addiction not even just like you could it could be any addiction honestly it, it in that like it's such a clever it has such a clever understanding of addiction and what it does to people and what it does to a family that it it feels universal do you know what i mean and like fucking beautiful boy ends with with a little thing that says like the opioid you know like fact you know facts from from (laughs) about drug addiction in america that feels so cloying and like insulting considering they have not taken the time to even give a shit about the the character who is an actual addict in the film like Mm. I, I'm I I I'm not gonna tread so lightly on being really awful to that film. Honestly, like it's such a self-centered like. But what of the parents? Like, yeah, you're not the one with the addiction, you fucking asshole. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I get that. I get you. <laughs> yeah, I say that as someone who spent a weekend with a family member who's a severe alcoholic. So you know what? I'm coming from a place of of knowledge here. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Um, but yeah. It's- I don't yeah. know. It's it's Ben is back is really good and and yeah I'm glad I had time to sit with it because I think I would have initially written a, a review that was like not so positive, um, but the more I I got to sit with it the more I was like you know what no it is really good and it's a shame it's not being nominated for anything. It's funny as a quick like anecdote to end our discussion of these two drug addiction movies on. Um, my parents really wanted to see Beautiful Boy because. They love Steve Carell, mm-hmm. and I was like, it's bad, but they really wanted to go. They never ended up getting to see it, and now they're, sh- they're seeing Ben is Back commercials, mm-hmm. and they think it's the same movie, <laughs> and they really want to go see that one, too, and they're like, it's funny that Steve Carell's not, not in these commercials anymore, and I'm like, whatever, just go see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you have to think it's the Steve Carell movie, go, because it's a better movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, um, and everybody should do the same. Um, that basically wraps us up for the day. I think, I don't think there's any more nominations coming out for the next, until the next time we record. Um, but there will be some reviews coming out. As I joked earlier to you today, you're, you are the film section this week. Um, 
uh, by the time this comes out, most of these things should be up on the site. You've got, uh, I think we're going to just rerun Roma because you already reviewed it, but it's going to be out for everyone else to see very soon or this coming week. Um, you've got Capernaum coming up, which I actually, I'm excited to read a more detailed, you know, um, you take yeah. downing, taking it down. <laughs> um, and uh, Beale Street Could Talk is this week too, right? It is, yeah. yeah. Um, it opens limited release on Friday, and you should all go see it. Right, and I th- is that I think that's all you've got for the week, right? That is, yeah. But by next week, which will be before we record um, for our next episode, um, I'll have second act come out, which is I'm hyped for. <laughs> remaining on brand as ever. <laughs> oh man, can't wait for it! I can't believe they pushed it back another week. That's so upsetting to me. It's a personal attack on me, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it does feel pointed. Um, I think I, I probably will have, I'm finally going to finish that damn, um, scores, uh, article that I keep meaning to write, um, for the year. I mean, I've got a little time. The year's not over yet. Um, and we're going to actually start, um, pretty soon. There's already, um, something out on the site for like best TV of the year, right? Or no? It hasn't been out yet, but I'm writing something, my own personal top 10, my article reflecting on the great performances on TV this year. Yeah. And we'll have the, the site's top 10. So, you know, yeah. get excited for all that. Yeah, that's going to, we're going to start the movie one very soon. Um, who knows what that will turn into. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's honest, the, the, the taste on the site is varies from a lot from person to person. I'll be honest with it. Um, but I won't be writing my own personal thing just because I, that's okay. I don't need to. Um, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> you know, you guys, I, I just don't have the time. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I think that's the, the next thing I'll have coming out is going to be that. And then possibly before the next episode, uh, Cold War will come out, which I'll be writing about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I swear I'm going to, re- I really am. I've been saying it for about three episodes now, but I'm going to write something about my brilliant friend on HBO. I, I have to. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it for now. Uh, I think the next episode you and I will, will be on will actually not be Oscars. It will be, um, Drag Race, which is very exciting. Yeah. Get excited, everybody. Watch Drag Race. Watch Drag Race. The other best competition going on in the pop culture world. Exactly. Right. The most important competition in my life, certainly. Um, can't wait for it. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Um, I'm at Marissa Carpico on Twitter and you're at Matt, not Matthew one. Um, and that is it. We'll see you next time.